Cool. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Uh, my name is Tom Stocks. Um, I'm the program manager for Creative Youth and IAF, uh, and also the Creative Talent Program Manager. So, welcome to our first of many webinars that uh, we're doing. Uh, this is called our part of our So You Want to Work in the Arts series. Um, just to give you a bit of a background of where all this sort of started with So You Want to Work in the Arts. Um, it's you. It was usually part of um, our festival, the International Youth Arts Festival in Kingston. Um, and it was usually um, workshops and um, seminars all about different industry subjects. Um, we've had many different things like physical theatre workshops. We've had, um, you know, Q&As with casting directors, um, lots of different things. And then because of the whole COVID situation, this year we did um, our DigiFest. And this is where these webinars have sort of were, were born from. We did some amazing webinars, part of our online festival because obviously we couldn't do a physical festival this year um, so we've come up with the idea we should do these on a more of a regular basis because these sort of discussions are amazing um, especially with tonight's topic um, going forward we've got things on uh, we're going to be tackling mental health we're going to be tackling um, we're actually going to be joining next month with a festival in South Africa um, who are going to be talking about diversity and the the similarities and differences between um, uh, culture and arts and the uh, and diversity between South Africa and the UK, which is a, quite an interesting subject. And these will be going on for sort of eight months up until our next festival in 2021, um, where we'll do So You Want to Work in the Arts again um, as part of the festival. But it's just a nice a nice thing to do just between now and, and the festival to do these sort of on, on a nearly monthly basis. So um, that's, that's this. Um, I'm going to hand you over to Michaela now, um, who's going to be your host this evening. Um, and obviously we're going to be discussing um, black history and what you should have learned in school, really. Um, so over to you, Michaela. Thank you very much. Hi, hello, everyone. I'm Kayla Cadence. I'm so, so excited to be here. Um, thank you all to my panellists for joining me as well. Um, just a quick a bit of info why I kind of thought it was important to kind of open up this discussion and have this discussion is for me personally over the last couple of months um, I've had a bit of an awakening you know I always have been very sure about who I am and very proud of who I am and my heritage and then over these coming months I realized oh my goodness I really do not know as much as I one should know, and I guess thought I knew. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to open up this discussion and kind of hear other, pe other people's thoughts and how they grew up, what information they, what knowledge they were sh that they had and grew up with. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to learn a bit more about each other, I guess, and our history in this country, but also to, I guess, open up the conversation on what are the next steps now? What can be done? How can we improve this so that future generations don't have to have this awakening of, oh my goodness, I don't know enough about my own history. <laughs> so I'm Kayla Cadence, as I said, I am a young creative with Creative Youth. I'm very passionate about the arts and have been involved, inspired, and just in love with it for as long as I can remember. Um, Ayata, do you want to do a quick introduction? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Ayata Golding. I also in love with the arts, but also was in love with academics. Uh, so I did a degree in politics to kind of learn a little bit more from 
where I'm from and who I am and who everyone is and identity in that. So uh, I'm also a florist uh, and a freelance stylist. Uh, so I currently work in the wedding industry predominantly um, in London. Exciting. Gemma? Uh, hi, um, I am Gemma. I, uh, I'm also passionate about the arts. Um, <laughs> and my main love is theatre. Um, that's where I kind of started. That's what I did my degree in. Um, and now I work uh, as a theatre director, but also for an organisation called the Museum of Colour, which is aiming to archive the journey of creators of colour over the last 250 years. Um, so yeah, definitely that's, this is, yeah, that's what I'm interested in. Perfect. And Miles? Yes, I third that. I'm very passionate about the art <laughs> uh, as well. Um, I went to drama school, um, just graduated about five years ago now. So I've been sort of in that realm, but I've loved history like since I was about 11, 12. So I've always been sort of like big on my history. But I kind of recently realised, oh my God, everything that I know now, it's like mad that I didn't know that back then at school. Like I knew a lot about like, you know, different countries and like, America and church and all that sort of stuff but actually like when I actually deeped it and thought what do I know about my own people like you said it was very very little and in comparison to like what I know about like you know Europe and all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah well I guess that brings this on to our first question um which is what is something that you learned about black British history in adulthood that you didn't in school or wish you had in school so Gemma, you want to start? Uh, yeah, so I, my main thing that I wrote that immediately came to mind was that I wish that I knew there were black people in the UK before like the 1950s or like even before the world wars, because I think that, I think that's like, you're going to ask about it later, but I, I think that forms such, that's part of belonging, is that knowing yeah. your history and knowing where you, knowing that other people have come before you and you're not the first, and I think if I'd known that at school, I think it would have, it could have avoided a real crisis of identity later on um, about finding my way as like a black British woman and knowing that like 500 years ago, there was also a black British woman who wasn't a slave. And that would have been, yeah, that would have been great to know. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, like picking up on that point, that's so true. And you see um, when you have a lot of like period dramas and stuff like that, and you see a lot of ignorant people commenting, oh, well, that's not really accurately correct. You're thinking, you know, there were no black people in Britain at this time in the Victorian era. Or, no, that's not right. That's not right. Ooh, I'm t oh, why do you have to be so inclusive? I mean, why can't you just stick to history? And it's like, well, actually, that what we're used to seeing isn't an accurate representation of history. So yeah, I completely agree with that point. Um, what about you, Ayata? I come from a very different kind of perspective, I suppose. Um, I was brought up in the Rastafari faith, which is very much about black liberation and, uh, you know, kind of not being oppressed and being very aware of the kind of journey of black people in history and, kind of uh, in, a, in a spiritual way, but also in a physical way. So I was brought up with, with a lot of information about Black British history, but also Black history of the world, um, which really informed my confidence. And, and as you said, like finding your way as a Black British woman, if I didn't know the things that I was brought up with, I think I would have had a lot more issues, definitely, for sure. But 
yeah, my upbringing was particularly black and liberal and very decolonizing, you know, we, you don't need to see yourself through the colonialized, like colonized lens, you know, there's so much more about you and people like you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't learn any of it in school, but I definitely learned it being brought up. So, I mean, I was kind of the one in class being like, oh, actually, if you don't know what it is, and I, you know, went to a lot of black youth workshops as a child because that's what my parents wanted us in. So I was very fortunate that I had that. But unfortunately, the other kids in school didn't really um, afford that kind of information, which is unfortunate. But yeah, um, that's definitely the things I didn't learn or the things I've learned as an adult are purely informed by things that I learned as a child. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think part of the reason I was, you were the first person I thought of when just talking about these webinars is because obviously we've known each other for gosh, what, like 10 years or so, 11, 11 10 years years now. And that's something that, um, I, something I always kind of noticed uh, very early on was how, um, much much self-awareness you had um and I even some of the information that I learned about black British history and black history in general does come from IATA <laughs> I remember first time going to her house and she had this huge poster up of Mary Seacole and I was thinking oh who, who's that and she looked at me and she was like oh my goodness, you don't know who she is? Da, da, da. And I just had some long, <laughs> much needed education. Um, but yeah, so it was, I, yeah, it was, it's nice to have you on here because I mean, we all have d- different experiences, different upbringings, learned different things from different people. But it's interesting that you say all of the knowledge you have comes from the knowledge given to you from your family, your upbringing, and unfortunately not the school system. Miles what about you? There was two things that mainly sort of stuck out to me firstly was actually the Windrush um, generation yeah mad like obviously I come obviously I come from like um like Jamaican heritage like my grandparents came over my mother was born there as well but obviously my grandparents were part of that generation on both sides and I didn't have a clue on what that was until about maybe a few years ago I think in I think in 2017 in Brixton they had the um they unveiled the, the memorial like black soldiers um and i was like yeah, what is that what is windrush and i did it was like the whole windrush scandal that came out yeah was my only way into that world so i was like oh my god like we were here like we were here then like we were called over to help out after the war i never knew anything about that and like all i knew about like britain like sort of post-war was like enoch powell doing like the rivers of blood speech and how um, basically it was how we're black people were going to have the, the whip hand over the white people in this country and how it was all the negative. It was never that, it was never the positivity of after the war. I never really learned that at all. I just learned about the kind of, you know, I think it probably was more in a white gaze history. Um, yeah. And also mad, I always associated like ancient Romans as like sort of white skin, you know, like Caesar and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I learned about this guy, it's like a, he's like a northern, northern African um, Roman emperor called um, Septimius Severus. Great name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was like one of the leading um, emperors of Rome for about six, seven years. One of the richest ones as well. And he came over to live in England. He lived in like York. 
and it was like chases like they did like excavations and they found like these like African sandals and African bowls in like the middle of Yorkshire <laughs> in England so I was like oh my god like I never knew like that people were sort of there then at all or like would travel high seas with all this sort of wealth I always sort of had that depiction of them being like you know sort of always been downtrodden and always like you know been sort of secondary do you know what I mean yeah yeah of course and you know it's a shame that it takes a scandal when we're going back to Windrush a scandal for us to um realize we don't know about something we don't know about a subject you know it's a shame that it needs it needs what happens is we're mistreated and then we realize hold on we look back to the history of okay well what's this why i don't understand yeah. why this is happening now because we didn't understand back then or we weren't taught at, taught it at school um and it's even the same with like wartime britain um growing up in school you see all the powerpoints and the slides of oh yeah these are pictures of soldiers there da, 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 da. and not once do you see a black face or a person of color and it's i guess the term is whitewashed but you know it's having for me it was realizing like uh, what you what's been said already re really not realizing that how long we've been here um, and also the contributions we've made to society, to the economy and to history. The contributions, yeah. we are there, we have been here, we have been here for a while. It's not, we, we were there. And I think it's the representation. And I think these last couple of months have been quite eye-opening. And while they've been a little bit sad because it's realizing, oh, I really don't know as much as I should, it's also been quite empowering to realize how much of an impact, a positive impact that we have made and knowing that, you know, like Jeremy said, we're not the only ones, we're not the first ones, you know, it's, yeah, it's really, it's been an eye-opening experience. <laughs> I, think, I think also uh, not just black British history, but black history, that existed before Britain existed. You know, yeah. you're talking about the Romans. They had black people in their society. It was very much like France, they're nationalists. As soon as you're part of the empire, you're part of the empire, you're Roman, you're nothing else. And mm. so the existence of Britain wasn't even there and black people were running parts of the, of the world. Um, and I mm. think that kind of recognition that the British empire was not the very first thing on this planet is very much something that we have to acknowledge and we yeah. have to understand that um, the admittance of black people from history is to further glorify other people's efforts, not not just to ignore ours, but to glorify others who didn't yeah. have to do the work. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I guess this brings me on to my next question. Um, so do you think lacking this knowledge has had an effect on you? as a person, as an artist, um, and if so, what effect? Uh, Miles, <laughs> do you wanna <laughs> go first? <laughs> um, I think it kind of did, because in school, especially like in, even in drama school as well, I was always in this kind of social bubble in which like the kind of 
outside world didn't really matter in drama school like the news is what's happened on Saturday and that sort of stuff so you're in this world in which like I don't know like I didn't really gauge everything that was going on with them like with my own people and like things mm. like, like the news and things like that I was always just sort of you know focused on what I was doing it wasn't until I got out and I saw like oh wow okay I do have to work twice as hard now to get in the room or you know in England anyway there's a lot of black roles which are you know, there's not a lot of gauge to go as as like is as it is with like American uh, in America. Like British characters are always like black British characters anyway. You kind of typecast in this sort of thing. I didn't really yeah. realize any of that. I didn't see the importance of any of that. I was so so like involved in like you know, the drama of like university, all that sort of stuff, the drama of school, and like you actually deep it and think, wow, like there's so much that I don't know about like being disadvantaged and things like that yeah. that I was never aware of before just because I was in this sort of secure um, fake world, <laughs> basically, mm. um, yeah. as it was. Um, and yeah, yeah, just with that, it was just like crazy to think once I graduated, just to see the world of how it is. And especially with like the Black Lives Matter movement as well, that brought into light so much for me as well. So yeah. much of my own, like digging into my own history and sort of seeing how like, how I should perhaps be as a person now as well. Maybe I should be a bit more like stop that racism or like, you know, I sort of casual racism. I sort of like say something about it. I should like, you know, have more of a say yeah. into like defending yeah. that. Because before mm -hmm. I never, you know what I mean? Like you put of, you let things slide or you just, you don't want to seem like that, like the aggressive guy or, you know, yeah. always has yeah. to like chip on your shoulder. But actually now since like, the movement, I've been so like, you know, no man, I'm fighting. I'm fighting for every for every right I have. I'm like, mm. I'm always going to call out things now. So that has really it has sort of like yeah, it's changed me quite a lot. It really has changed me. I'd yeah, say. yeah, a hundred percent. I think like it's you know growing up and not necessarily challenging or even noticing moments that uh, needed challenging. Then over these last couple of months, I've had you know I've had the same. I look back from some school incidences and things that I never really um ripped not something that necessarily affected me but yeah. now I look back on it and I'm like oh that's really not okay this isn't okay that was yeah. not right this was not right um I mean it may I don't know if it's for the better that it's only now that I'm realizing these <laughs> things because as an adult I can deal with these things a little bit better but at the yeah. same time it's back then living in that ignorance is bliss because if you don't know you, you don't know kind of thing it doesn't affect you in the same way that it does now yeah. when I look back on those experiences and those moments and think hold on there's some undertones that I just did not recognize as a yeah, child at all, at all and there's so many things now like so many articles and like things even on Instagram and stuff that you can read you're like oh okay so that's like what that is or like when someone kind of like there's a whole list of how it was almost like not was that how a person deals with like racism so like they like ignore the question or they say like play devil's advocate and they do this sort of stuff and like you learn about those sort of people and like oh, okay so that, that's why that person is doing that or why is why play devil's advocate like in a in a race situation like, there's no need mm. to play that card and there's loads of stuff that I've learned through articles mainly now that just like pushed me to be a bit more like diligent in my own research of my own like history my own rights as well yeah. as a person and things like that yeah yeah 
Ayata, what about you? Yeah, man, I think it's so, this is the main thing about everything that's going on right now, is I hear you guys talk about these situations that you find yourself in, like, oh, I wish I said something. I was the kid who said stuff. I was the kid who from day one, first time I got called the N-word, you know, first time I got sold, I looked like poo. I said something and I knew what they were saying and I knew what it meant and I was very aware. Um, again, my upbringing w- empowered me mm. because I think although it causes a lot of hardship for you as a child, and as you said, ignorance is bliss, mm. it makes you fight more because you have to fight for yourself because you know that they're saying something incorrect or wrong mm. or hurtful and racist. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up for yourself, you know, but for me, hearing these it makes it makes my heart break because I was that kid who stood up for myself and it made me actually really isolated from a lot of black kids and a lot of white kids because I was the kid who was like actually you can't say that actually that's not okay actually I was the loud aggressive black woman but for me growing up in that role it made me so much more prepared for life now I know that when somebody's saying an offhand comment, I know how to respond. I know how to deal with it. I know that people are going to say things at certain times. I know how to speak to certain people. Um, And I think that that preparation in in knowing about racism before you get it um, makes you incredibly, as as Michaela said, like self-aware. And also it gives you a sense of pride in yourself. Somebody can be racist to you, but you don't have to take it because you know that whatever they're saying is completely wrong and it's completely undignified, you know? Yeah. And for me, yeah, I felt really isolated. I felt isolated. From, I felt really isolated from my community because, you know, I knew things that people didn't know, you know? Mm. There, there were Somalis in my school who uh, used to be bullied for being Somalian, right? And, and taking the mick out of, I mean, me and Mick went to the same school. Um, Kayla went to the same school. So we, <laughs> you know, there there was we saw that and for me I'm like mate you're literally from the same place as this guy like I don't know why why have you got beef with him why are you taking the mick out of him also your parents are African they're just not from Somalia they're from somewhere else they're in West Africa or Central Africa and they don't have that type of accent so now you're going to take the mick out of somebody who sounds like your mum and sounds like your dad it's this whole unaware of, of the kind of racial relations that are going on in, in front of you as a kid and I and it made me really isolated um and and singled out because I I felt like I knew so much and other people knew so little and it and it was frustrating and it's frustrating mm. now since the Black Lives Matter movement has come out you know Mick, Michaela called me and you know was talking to me about a lot of things and I've had a lot of people talk to me and be like oh like I wish I knew this and I wish I, and I'm like you should know this and I I want you to have my brain I want you to (laughs) be able to soak up because it makes you feel so good Mm. when you know that you're not alone and I felt very alone as a child because of what I knew and you guys must have felt alone because of what you didn't know and there's a balance in it and there there's there needs to be a unity of of knowledge and we should be able to to share in that um but also with knowledge comes responsibility I am like like Miles was saying you know now you're talking that you you step in when people are being racist or when things are uncalled for I then had that from a young age that responsibility to step in and say something and that's not only tiring 
but it also means that every single time something happens I'm that person Mm. in the room who has to say something Mm. so it affected me in a way where I felt isolated but also I felt like I had a huge responsibility uh, to use what I knew and to use my voice um, to kind of speak up and and say say how I felt and Mm. you know really push for it I suppose yeah and I guess also then going back to the school system it doesn't help when because I know I've had like situations or even just heard from situations from friends or you and stuff it doesn't help when you are doing the right thing by challenging these things um but your teacher doesn't recognize her their self what's what the issue is what the problem is and what needs to be done to sort it and it becomes a a um the discipline ends up I mean I say discipline I mean in this situations yes that as a child if you have dealing with a racist child a bit of discipline is necessary but I guess discipline isn't the word it's education and if you yourself aren't educated on that aspect how do you then recognize one for one what's going on and also do the right education in you know explaining okay this isn't right this is why it's not right and this is why we can what how we can grow together to make this environment inclusive and positive and happy for all mm-hmm. so I guess um, in the education sense, it's not even just about what we're learning in our history lessons, but it's the attitudes from the teachers, from the lack of knowledge that they have, that they also then have play a part in the students. So, Gemma, what about you? Um, I, yeah, will echo what both of you were saying, and I think I land more on the side of the experience that Miles had in the sense that I think it's going to sound silly, but I feel like I didn't know I was black until probably like I was like at uni. And so all of the jokes and all of the, all of the, I don't know, the comments, they didn't pass me by in the sense that I still, like I got that they were saying something offensive or something that was probably a joke, but also not a joke, Mm -hmm. but like it didn't apply to me because I wasn't that person. And now I look back on that and I'm like, what, what, what? what were you thinking that that makes no sense um and so I think that it's definitely it definitely has affected me as I've like grown older and have like had the courage and the opportunity to speak out about things in the sense that like I get triggered by the past and by things that are that I now I just get little flashbacks to every now and again so when um, the Black Lives Matter moment was happening in June um, I saw something on Twitter that was like oh what was a what was something that a teacher said to you about um, that was was racist and now in hindsight so my English teacher uh, I so I got an A in my AS levels my English I went to my English teacher to ask her to get predict me an A for my uh, for my UCAS form and she said no because it was a fluke and so I really, yeah, so I realized yeah. that, so in, at the moment, I was just like, oh yeah, it probably was a fluke, when actually I don't think he would have, I don't think that would have been the same if it was another child who had lighter skin than me. So, mm-hmm. so it's, just, it's things like that, that, yeah, I get, I, I am more vigilant about now, but yeah, yeah, I think it definitely has affected me. And I think I'm glad that 
I'm kind of glad that I didn't know it at the time because I think I don't think I would have been able to I don't think I had the coping mechanisms to be able to deal with it mm-hmm. and I think yeah I'm I'm the ignorance was good but I do not wish to pass that on and I don't want that for anyone else mm-hmm. it sounds like you were much so you are you after was were much better equipped to be able to deal with it and I I, and I understand it must have been isolating but I think it was yeah isolating in different ways because I didn't I didn't know I didn't know how to address it and so I just tried to fit in with everyone else when actually it would have been so great to be able to have pride in who I was and what I looked like and what I was saying um rather than ignoring the comments Mm. and I think also isolating you from yourself yeah you know for me it isolated me from others for you it isolated you from another from your actual like another identity yeah yourself and I think I think you know in both camps they're not ideal no Um, but you know we we work our way through you know we find our community or we find Mm. ourselves you know yeah exactly exactly I think yeah when this time has you know been a serious time of reflection um and for me especially I have memories as a child that I didn't quite understand at that age and then I look back on and think oh I understand now that feeling and I understand now for for example I used to do ballet when I was really young and I'd never really thought about this moment until a lot over the last couple of months when the um, Black Lives Matter movement started gaining more momentum again and I just remember thinking that moment when I realized that my ballet shoes and my tutu and my leotard wasn't pink it was nude and I wasn't going to find any ballet shoes or any ballet uniform that was to my skin tone. And as a young child, I didn't quite understand what the feeling that I was experiencing was. But then obviously with adulthood and with a bit more of the knowledge I know now, it's looking back and thinking, I think for me, that was one of the moments that I really realised, hold on things are different for me and they're I guess going to be different for me for the rest of my life so yeah I think it's that moment of um awakening I think which most of us have been having during these times um I also think that there's something about terminology and not knowing how to vocalize things until now or until we're older so like times like gaslighting, it's it sounds like very official, very like a word that we don't use lightly, but actually it happens every day. And I think if every if day. we had mm. the language to be able to to be able to vocalize that when 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 I was younger, or or use it without it being uh it being the most horrendous thing that you can that you can say that someone's done to you, I mm. think that having being able to use those those kind of words in what is happening is really helpful. And yeah. it's sad that I wasn't, I didn't have that vocabulary when I was younger. But, yeah. yeah. So this kind of leads on quite nicely to my next question is, if you could go back to your teenage self, your uh, school child's age self, what is something you would tell yourself about the history that you're learning in class? Uh, I keep forgetting. Ayata, <laughs> um, do you want to go first? Oh, well, I thought about this really long and hard because 
yeah, I was afforded with with a, a really like great understanding that what I was learning at school. I mean, very often, very often, my mum would write letters to the school uh, about the curriculum and how incorrect it was. So I had a mum like that. So or she'd go in and she'd be like, right, well, I'm going to teach a lesson on this because the children need to know this. Uh, she's very proactive in that way. So I think for me, it would be to like be more proactive myself, to talk, speak out 10 times more than I did. Um, mm. And I know it's hard to say that to a teenage girl because there was so much pressure and I cared, I cared so much about what people thought. I already told you I felt isolated, but I think, you know, you know, call people out when they're spreading misinformation or omitting complete and utter sections of our history. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd tell her to look at the curriculum. Look at the curriculum, because I looked at the curriculum recently when everything kicked off. I did a um, Instagram Live with a wonderful uh, organisation called Schools for Change that is trying to change the curriculums in schools uh, to include black British figures across the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the curriculum and I thought, right, there's supposed to be a whole section on empire here. We didn't do that. There's supposed to be a whole section here on ancient civilizations. We didn't do that. So I'd say to her, just do it. Just speak up. Just cause a ruckus mm. and, and just and, and really protest it because your comment in class or feeling good in yourself is, is just, it's just, it's not going to be enough. Just push mm -hmm. it. Just go for it because you're eloquent. You're articulate. Just, just, just do it. I think um that's what I definitely say to myself just just yeah just change things you know yeah that's the same for me I think I'd go back and say you know girl you need to take your education into your own hands because mm -hmm. you are only learning the smallest bits and bobs that have been handpicked specifically to teach a certain um ideology um, so I think, yeah, for me, it's definitely take, I would have, yeah, taking my education, um, making it a bit more of my own responsibility rather than just the schools. Miles, what about you? Yeah, I'd say probably the same thing, maybe question it. Obviously, as a kid, you sort of think, oh, the syllabus is what the sort of syllabus is. You don't really sort mm. of think about that kind of thing. So you don't feel empowered to be like oh actually can we do this I think looking back I definitely question it more I question why is it that we learn you know so much about like you know America's booming 20s and things like that but not actually things that pertain to like like, like being black and British or just being like an ethnic minority in Britain just learning a bit more uh, about the culture in that way because I just mm. never never did obviously but I think as a kid I would love to have questioned it back then and also like my granddad before he passed he would tell me like loads of things about like his journey through like Britain and like how he had to work twice as hard I wish I'd listened more to him as well I think mm -hmm. and just to those stories and more cherish like all those sort of wisdom that they that sort of gave to me about that and about like being being black and British and like you know feeling the other and like learning different things about his trade growing up I think I would have definitely listened more and definitely would have questioned uh, my like teachers more. I think I had a really good history teacher, to be fair. I think looking back now, I wish I could like have this information. I reckon he would be so, he would have been so into like, you know, 
you know, get, and learning us that sort of that thing as well and giving us that sort of information. So looking back, I definitely would have questioned it more, just felt I, I have more power than what I did. It's like a little 16 year old. I think <laughs> also it's, it's, it's important to mention that the reason why we learn about America during America's trials and tribulations from the 1920s is because our trials and tribulations during the 1920s up till modern day are so filled with so many mistakes and then they have to teach us about empire they have to teach us about windrush they have to teach us about colonies they have to teach mm. us why the victorians had so many house had so much money <laughs> which they don't teach us they talk about the industrial revolution but not why um mm -hmm. and so you know the preference of america is purposeful um yeah. because during the 1920s here there were race riots uh so it's not just about black british history it's about british history full stop british history in general yeah. yeah what about you Gemma? Uh, exactly yeah exactly the same I think my mine would be to question what you're being taught um because it's yeah it's just so easy to because I also loved history um but I I think I loved the history that I was that I was learning so I, I didn't look any further than that hmm. so I remember like for GCSE for example we did uh Nazi Germany um and then for A levels we did the Cold War and there was nothing like I didn't look any further about what was happening in any of the other places. And I and I I like I'm ashamed to say it now, but I, I didn't even like look to where, where where my people were. I didn't even like that wasn't even on my radar. Mm. Um, and yes, it's it is partly my fault, but also partly I'd had no wherewithal that we were like we weren't part of it. Um, and it it just didn't come naturally to me to question it. And I think that is what I'd like to tell my younger self is to question because history isn't like it's not written it's written by the person who gets there first and it's written by the person who writes it down first um mm. and that's not true it's not it's not the truth mm. um so yeah that's what i that's what i tell myself yeah so kind of goes on to my i guess um for me one of the most, not most, but an important question for how we kind of go forward and um, improve the points that we've spoken about, not only for ourselves, but for our future generations. Obviously we know the power that the arts has to heal, inspire, educate. Um, so what, first of all, I guess, Whose responsibility is it to make sure that this knowledge is out there and to make sure that the future generations aren't having the same experience, um, whether that's from the school um, education system, whether that's from extracurricular activities that can be held, um, different organisations like Creative Youth and different other arts organisations. What can be done to, I guess, improve what we've spoken about and whose responsibility is it? Gemma, would you like to go first? So, so I, this question was hard for me to answer because <laughs> I was t like basically tossing up between, I think it's organizations uh, responsibilities. It's, it's the government's responsibility to make sure that it's being taught in schools. But then I was thinking, okay, let's, let's be serious. Let's actually think, yes, it is their responsibility, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, and so I think for the people who can and the people who have it on their heart to do so, mm -hmm. I think it's our responsibility and it's 
and I don't I don't think it's necessarily it can only be done through schools I think it can be done through the arts it can be done through theatre um I I think just it's it's not a burden at all but it like you were saying earlier sometimes it's it's so hard to be the only person who's speaking up mm-hmm. about these things and I I don't want to have to do it for the rest of my life I think if I if I felt like I could be making an impact and I felt like this was actually this time it's going to stick actually this time people are going to listen actually this time it will go out to more people than are just mm-hmm. in the theatre then I feel like I would make an effort to make it happen mm-hmm. um, so I think it's it's a bit of both um it's up to us to inform the organizations but but at the same time we are only individual people and so there's a limit to what we can do so we need the organization's power to push our agenda forward because that's the only way that it's actually going to make an impact and we're not going to be in this situation again in another 30 years Mm, exactly it's it's about you know um the right information reaching the right people because yeah. it's all good and well we have these informations and we're having these discussions yeah. um but you know there's it's the difference between having these discussions and healing as a community and actually having these discussions and educating and healing those who actually need to, need to hear it yeah yeah what about you ayata so i mean I, I have a lot of people I know who, who rely, who are in the arts uh, mm-hmm. and rely on, on funding. And at the end of the day, it's about funding. If mm-hmm. we want to do projects, if we want to tell stories, if we want to inform people, we have to not only be able and willing and have a load of people who are able and willing, mm-hmm. we need the organisations to be able and willing to support us. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of amazing trusts and organizations out there who have lots of money to give to projects it's kind of their responsibility to give us the money but also they (laughs) want to have to do it you know they have to want to be to have a vested interest in it yeah I think we can come up with all the most amazing projects and plan the most amazing shoots and amazing things and and pieces of work but if we have not got the support of organizations funding and platform to do it um they're not going to go very far um so I think it's definitely up to organizations purely because they hold the power for us to project our voices for us Mm. to project our art and our work um but definitely it's the responsibility of individuals but not just people of color Mm. (laughs) racism is a white issue yeah yeah um so as much as we can talk about our experiences tell our stories of our parents our grandparents and our history and our heritage um they have to be willing to listen. Mm. They have to be willing to learn and to re-educate themselves into what's yeah. appropriate, what's inappropriate. Um, and at the end of the day, the white supremacy of our history uh, has, to, has to end. Um, mm-hmm. And that is ended through bringing forth black history. Because yeah. right now it's omitted, it's mm-hmm. forgotten, it's deleted. And just to mention on the whole government's responsibility, uh, I don't know if you guys signed the petition, the government po- uh, petition, but their reply was, it is in the curriculum to teach these subjects. Schools make the decision as to whether they include it in their school syllabus. So it right. is up to the school to teach what they need to teach. It is in the, in the national curriculum. It's there. 
yeah schools have the decision to to teach it or not to teach it so I think we need to really think about how our education system works and additionally as you said teachers say racist things so we need to also re-educate our educators our educators need to be of a standard just like our organizations need to be of a standard they need to also be of a standard so I think it's everyone's responsibility but essentially those in power need to need to get a re-education basically yeah it's about I mean those with the power um you know supporting us and being our advocates but also not it not just being um you know a one-off here and there oh yes this is something we're support supporting yay okay bye now it needs to be shouting from the rooftops and drilling it into people's ears and yeah like you said it is a white problem unfortunately we suffer for the effects of it but I mean I like I agree it's something that's going to take um both sides both all of us coming together as one to defeat what I would say is disease to be honest because it's it's awful and it cause so much pain and anger and division and it's about these organizations who have the power who have the following to stand up and be as vocal as everyone who doesn't have that power that that following because we could sit here every single month having this discussion saying what needs to be done but that in some senses falls on deaf ears because the ears that are listening already may doing what they can to make that change and Miles what do you think? Yeah I very much agree with what you say like I think there's only so much an individual can do within their own echo chamber like you kind of everyone's got the same idea like if you like being on Facebook for example you think that everyone has the same views as you like you have that thing you think you need to sometimes pass that burden on to organizations because I I'm think organizations... Out of this a bit, oh, sorry um can you hear me now yeah let me yeah. just oh right it might have been my internet okay yeah I can hear you <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a bit frozen at the moment. Hi, Miles. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Oh. Oh gosh, no. Oh no. Oh. Oh. I don't know if he can hear us. So I might quickly just um, move on. That. Unless. No. Oh. Um, that. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I was going to say, um, <laughs> I was going to say, organisations need to take the burden off artists, and I think, um, like the Bush Theatre, they do quite mm. a lot of things now um, with, like, actually, obviously with Black History Month, but they do things with artists like um, what I would have told my younger self was, was, was one of the things they did with, like Papa, um, in Seydoux did one, and also a guy who's in Hamilton, I think Jamal Westman. Uh, did one as well and it's so good oh, to no. see that and have that out again or is it just my internet it's just you i think it's your internet <laughs> right, okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry continue 
sorry, sorry. And like, I think, yeah, um, outreach, like, sorry, all the, all the nations have a good outreach for bigger communities to see it. And like you say, how like, I would like to see organizations do stuff in like, maybe not, maybe like white predominant areas as well, just because you can fall into the trap of like, like you said before, when you have those sort of black British history stuff within these within black areas, obviously it's great to learn about yourself, but I think it's always good to teach that and spread that out. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I think Everyone we'll needs to know black history. Every single yeah. person. Every single yeah. person does. I so think, I guess. Yeah, has that power to do that. Like big organization, the money in hand, mm-hmm. the funding in hand has that power um, to spread that awareness. And I exactly. Think it shouldn't just be left to artists to kind of mm-hmm. tell your white mate, oh, actually, no, maybe don't say that or mm. what sort of I think it should be like a bigger, much bigger thing. So I guess the short and simple um, thing of it is, is for, you know, these organisations to be constantly supporting, not just supporting us, but fighting for us and advocating for us. It needs to be a constant thing that's not just happened in drips and drabs. It needs to be bam, in your face, constant, and it needs to be widespread to everyone and to the, yeah, to the people who need to hear it the most. Mm -hmm. I think Um, also, you know, the arts is telling stories. That's, yeah. that's what the arts do, does, you know, and there are a lot, uh, there's a lot of elitism in the arts, mm-hmm. you know, you know, from theatre, you know, there's, there's a lot of plays, Shakespeare's still played, and there's a lot of other stories in this world to tell, and a lot of them are about black people, you know, you're talking about limited um, parts for you to play as an actor, as a black actor in Britain, there are a lot of things that you could be playing, there's a lot of stories that could be told through ballet, through opera, through theatre, mm-hmm. Um, that aren't that just aren't being told by these organizations so I think it's also um, the want to change up their repertoire um, not just oh this project we're working on mm. actually no we're going to have this ballet which is based on this particular African folk tale which is important because it's a piece of art you know and I, I think that's yeah. also what I wanted to add sorry yeah so moving on, we've got one question that I think is quite an interesting one. Um, how do you say something without upset or offending your collaborators slash employers, in particular when you're early in your career and it's, I guess, a bit unstable and a bit insecure in a sense? I think that's an interesting question because I guess what it, it's where do you it's what you're willing to take, I guess, as an artist, where do you draw the line? Where what's, where do you draw the line and say, actually, it's more important for me as a person, as an artist, that I make, I challenge these things. And I, there's always a nice way to address these things. During um, the last couple of months, and I saw, you know, a lot of statuses and of just ridiculousness but at the end of the day it comes down to lack of education so you know it's it's addressing something without this anger without this wall of hatred without this wall of that's really silly you 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 don't know anything that's stupid to say and it's addressing it from a nicer place of let me just explain to you why what was said was hurtful to me and how you know 
how we how it needs to change kind of thing um but once again it goes back to if you're in a workplace where you feel that challenging racism will cost you your job it's about what you find is more important to you your integrity as a person of color or um the job role the job the company you're working for um just, I mean, we have, a, we have a little bit more time, a couple minutes. So if anyone has anything else to add on that question, what's been said? I'd like, uh, sorry, you go. No, mm -hmm. you go. I'll go after yeah. you. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, I've been in, uh, being in a creative industry, unfortunately, means being in a white industry. I don't know why. It's just like that. Well, I do know why. But, um, you know, the main reason is the good immigrant, the model minority, you know, we're not encouraged to go into the arts as people of colour because we've got something to prove. We've got more to work for. We've got further to push to, to get success. Um, so that's, that's why we don't go into the arts because the arts are, and, uh, you know, you know, flouncing about and just kind of expressing yourself, not actually working. So that's why that is. But being in white industries, it's, it's the odd comment that you sometimes let go and then there's the odd comment that you bring up to HR and being a young creative person there's some language that you just do not tolerate and mm. you have to draw your own line as to what you're going to tolerate especially in the workplace because as much as you're an artist exactly. you're a human being and you're a worker and that mm. and that that is important you you are professional uh, and you have professional integrity to, to turn down any mm -hmm. type of treatment you know even as a woman that's that's important to bring up too. Even as a man, the, the sexist comments I know that a lot of male actors receive and male models receive, you need yeah. to put your foot down when you feel comfortable to do it. But I think the best way to do it is to, to bring it mm -hmm. up through purely professional channels. If you don't feel comfortable talking to someone, email someone, yeah. write mm -hmm. it down in a really professional email and get it done that way. If you if you feel like you can't handle it in a in a professional way, face to face. I would say exactly the same thing. Perfect. Um, Unfortunately. Oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. We, are, was, we have run out of time. Are you sure? Yeah, don't yeah. Worry. honestly, I'm good. Okay. Oh, you see, there's never, ever enough time for these <laughs> webinars because honestly, I could go on and on and on. And I'm a person who absolutely loves healthy discussions. But unfortunately, it's time to say goodbye. I have had such a wonderful time and oh, thank you so much everyone for yes, joining the discussion. It's been amazing. I hope those watching have, you know, enjoyed as well. Um, and I hope maybe they've also learned something. <laughs> that was kind of the vibe, but who knows? I know that I've learned bits and bobs and I'm just, I'm really happy. So thank you, thank you. Thank you for those watching and thank Ooh. you for joining. <laughs> uh, no, thank you guys. And Michaela, thank you for doing such an incredible job hosting. Thank you uh, to all our panelists. You, what an incredible discussion. And just, you know, uh, you all spoke so eloquently and it's, and I think it's just, oh, you know, so, you know, I feel really bad because I never learned anything about black history or anything like that. And never mind black British history, just black history in general. I think it's something that really needs to be come into play. Um, and I do truly believe that if, if the, the schools aren't um, doing it, and this is why me and Michaela had this discussion on doing it on this subject, is because I, I truly believe the arts can make a difference in telling these stories and getting them out to 
to young people um, and well and old people. Any um, you know, these stories need to be told, and I do think that the arts can be the forefront of telling those stories. If they're not going to be taught in class, then make it compulsory that these are shown in um, theatres around the country. And I think the trick is these stories are being told on a fringe level um, a lot of the time. It's about getting those stories into the mainstream um, and getting them into places um, that can really make a difference because um, they are being told on the fringe circuit. I just think it's really difficult to get them into the mainstream and that's the problem. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, we can discuss this forever, but thank you all um, as well. And for all of everyone that's joined us, thank you so much. We are recording this um, and putting it together as a little podcast. So um, the See What I Work in the Arts series will be released as a bit of a podcast. So you can catch up later on and obviously tell all your friends to catch up and, you know, make this a discussion that needs to be heard more and, and far and wide. And hopefully we can spread this discussion um, beyond tonight as well. So thank you everyone um, for joining us tonight. You all spoke amazingly. Thank you everyone for joining. Um, there is a feedback form as well in the Q&As if you want to say anything, um, that'll be amazing. But apart from that, thank you, Michaela. Thank you, Germa. Thank you, Yata. And thank you, Miles. Take thank care, guys. You. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See you later. <laughs>